This podcast is proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry. Hi, I'm Gordon Muller. I'm the guru in the Doc and Guru podcast. Thanks for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent over 40 years in the media industry in South Africa and uh, pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Shark supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks. I'm Doug Mateus, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know me, I've uh, spent 30 years in, in uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions. And the last job I had, I was privileged in, uh, enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year-on-year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing. So we quite enjoy that. But again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things marketing and media. No subject too big, no topic too small, no subject too hot to handle please get in touch with us on our facebook page follow us like us whatever it takes we would love you to be involved with the show and uh, we really want to make it as inclusive and as energetic as i know this industry is capable of morning doc Looking good this morning again. I see. Uh, I see you've ditched the fragrance uh, from two weeks ago. Uh, I'm quite pleased about that. Uh, thought it was a little excessive, to be honest. Well, Gordon, if you don't like it, I mean, we can go back to Zoom calls. You know, you can smell me over the Zoom calls. So well, this another. is one of the things we'll be, be discussing today: remote working. But I must say, I'm also, I'm sure, like you're very excited to see that. You know, uh, in the last week or two, Cyril uh, has written to everyone's mom and dad saying please you must behave nicely at school otherwise you'll be in trouble i'm sure that's going to make a hell of a difference um <laughs> to the core values and that's something else we're going to talk about today because we've got with us today colin brown uh, from uh the happy sandpit he's an author and it's also his company and we're going to talk into alia you know some of the, the issues around remote working about core values etc so colin welcome this morning it's really good to have you Thank you, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, I, I'm, I'm a bit disappointed that I'm not in studio, able to smell the uh, the wonderful fragrances. <laughs> well, he had a pink, um, he had a pink <laughs> dress on last week and, 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 a, and a rather ravishing uh, fragrance, Colin. Uh, uh, you, know, listen, you, you know, it's radio. You do what you want, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's why, Colin. We just uh, we do radio these days. We don't uh, we don't have the video feed, and it's better for everyone. <laughs> certainly, certainly our listeners. Uh, but Colin, from our side, thanks very much. You know, you and I did a bit of work together a few years ago, uh, and thanks yeah. for taking the time. And and as Gordon said, you know, we're going to jump straight into it. I um, mean, the big topic of of organizational culture. You know, corporate culture has been around for a bit. Um, talk about, and your speciality now is, is working with companies, enhancing it, building it, employee engagement, etc., etc. How does this work with remote working? I know you've 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 moved some of your business into something called remote sandcastle. So if we can just chat about that and the notion, and uh, and then we'll take we'll take the conversation from there. 
Yeah, th th thanks. And I, you know what? I, I think there's, um, I think there's, there's, there's quite a lot here that we need to just be clear about as well. Because I mean, while um, there's been a huge move from you know office jobs into work from home, we always call it working while at home as opposed to work from home. Work from home implies a location change, whereas working while at home. It implies so much more. There's there's children. There's noises. There's distractions. There's you know suboptimal workspaces at home because you never intended for them to be that way and so on. But these sorts of things that have affected office workers um, quite a lot uh, is definitely very very topical. I think we need to bear in mind though that the majority of jobs were never office jobs anyway. I mean, you know, drivers and delivery people and doctors and nurses and and uh, and so on. There's, there's so many people who. Who kind of have seen a, a sort of a continuation of their work in in but with a, with a few nuances now because of social distancing and, and and the hours are allowed to work and you know all that kind of thing um and 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 so the this, the issue of culture isn't just about trying to find a way to make people who are working while at home uh comfortable with the space but also those people who have kind of had a continuation of their jobs but in this sort of very strange zombie landscape that existed a few months ago where there was nobody around the streets and all of that, they've also been affected. And so this extension of culture, I mean, it, we, we've, we've, we've long uh, associated culture with physical artifacts, with being in an office, with an office that's full of toys and full of great furniture and full of great ambience and, and, and all of that. And, and there's no doubt that that's, uh, yeah, there are, there are um, significant aspects of culture that, that are able to be um, uh, uh, parlayed through those sorts of devices. But the reality is, and I, I think we, we see this now, culture is, is, is very much about the interpersonal relationships between people and the organization, um, how they react to, it, re react to each other, how they work together, and how they work you know, as part of an organization. And that's where the biggest challenge has been. It's also where the biggest opportunity has been. In my experience, um, organizations that have uh, done well at keeping people focused and engaged with the kinds of organizations that were already doing it well and organizations that were doing it badly haven't had a hope of survival during this whole period of, of, of uh, certainly from an engagement point of view. Yeah, look, I mean, one of the things talking about, uh, you know, motivational kind of space uh, in, in, in offices is, you know, all those core values which were are posted on walls, you know, that are supposed to motivate us. It's kind of difficult when you're sitting at home and, and, and the motivational message that's been stuck on your screen by, by your wife is don't forget to, to clean the swimming pool. So <laughs> how, how do you, you know, it's kind of funny that, that space uh, uh, between the two. I mean, I've been working from home now since 1999, so 21 years. It's not a, no big deal for me, but what I am missing yeah. Is the is is the interaction? Um, I was just saying to to, to, to the doc earlier. I'd, I've been reading this article in the Harvard Business Review, where after 50 years of intensive uh, study, they've now discovered that people who have fun at work are more productive. I'm saying, like, really? Did you get a doctorate for that? I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. Well, how amazing. So yeah, how amazing. So how, you know, before we talk about core values, how do you you know what advice do you give to people? In keeping the balance and and in, in having a happy sandpit, even if your sandpit is now at home rather than than somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, I think we we've got to get much more focused on outputs as opposed to inputs, and I think that's one thing that companies that are doing that are doing well here have learned, is that my my the eight hours that I I pay for was never really what I was buying. Um, you know, what I was buying was the work that you produce at the end of it. And we've just had to get real about, I mean, guys, I mean, I've got a young family, so I've literally got, got three, three girls ages two to 10. Um, 
And I mean, the two-year-old's always around. There's nothing much you can do about that. She's yeah. she's she's asleep right now. So it's a very good time to do a podcast. <laughs> but um, but she's always around. She's she's always. I mean, she's a feature of my my Zoom calls. I'm on the on the on the uh, on a video conference of people, and Emily would suddenly climb up on my lap, and that's just how it is. And it's actually that's one of the things I've quite enjoyed about this whole business is we've been able to sort of see inside inside people's living rooms and meet their children and their dogs and and all of that, which has been a, a bit of a, a bit of a fun thing. Um, but but this you know this this whole sort of um, um, the, the 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 disruption of it all um, means that I've just not been putting in my normal work process, my normal workflow. It hasn't been there. Um, if 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 what if what you're paying for with your employees is eight hours a day, then you're going to find yourself disappointed. I think, and that's where companies that have that have understood that what we get out of the end of it is is what really matters have started to do quite well. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think there's no doubt that. Um, some of the some of the aspects you, you talked about the motivational things of, of sort of values on the wall, but just the motivational factor of being in an office with people who have some sort of, with whom you have commonality. Um, if you are in any way extroverted um, and you're suddenly locked at home, I imagine this has been incredibly hard. And this is something that companies have really had to, to sort of be aware of. Um, and, and again, I think those that have done well have been aware of the fact that people are severely disrupted. They're stressed. They're tense. You're not going to get all the same things out of them as you used to be able to get when you could whip them and push them and do all of those things that we we do in workforces whether we believe it or not um, um you know what, what we what we're going to have to do is is, is is be much better at setting tasks and and companies that have done that have tended to do do better and and colin i mean just looking at some of that stuff you know and, and, and i mean again you know many of us have read all the articles and stuff that's come across our, our various yeah. feeds about you know anxiety and loneliness and, and depression and you know, the stages of grief and loss yeah. and all of those things now i mean with remote sandcastles are you doing some of the work is that my understanding of it that you're working with companies now to help them up the engagement scores stay relevant uh although people are working as you say uh, you know, working from a different destination. Yeah, because we believe, we strongly believe that all organizations are smarter than they know they are. Mm -hmm. And that if you were to treat your organization as the business school from which you learn, if you decided that you work for company X and we're going to learn from ourselves, and you, you turned the sort of the lens inward and started being much more introverted, much more sort of introverted, introspective, mm -hmm. um, much more focused on finding out. I mean, think about it. In a company, of, it doesn't have to be a big one. It can be 10 people, but most companies are bigger than that. In a company of 20, 30, 50, 100, 1,000 people, there's a lot of brains in that organization with, with a lot of ideas. They may have some commonalities. They've got similar sorts of values. They've got a similar sort of educational background, maybe. Chances are they haven't all got that, though. But they've got different backgrounds. They're different creeds, different, different colors, different genders. They're, they're, they're different stages of life. They're different ages. They've got different experiences. If you were to put almost any problem you can imagine to your workforce, you've probably got the solution. The problem is you haven't got a mechanism to get to it. So you don't know. And so what happens for the most part is we, we tend to regard decision-making, problem-solving as being something that happens in the upper echelons of the organization, which is the worst possible place for it to be, because those are the people who have the least contact with customers, at least contact with the, the real world. What we, what remote sandcastles are intended to do is to help you unlock that. So you've got all of these smart people now. They've been forced to work from home. Um, they, they've struggled with it. Some of them have worked it out. Some of them have aced it. Some of them are still battling with it. You can't tell me as the leader of that organization that you can help them because you can't. This is unprecedented for you as well. You don't know what to do, how to fix it, how to make this a great, you know, sort of a productive and, and healthy work environment. But they do. 
Some of them have figured it out. And so our point of view is, let's ask them. Let's, for the first time ever, put the questions to your organization and then share the information that comes out of that with the organization so that, so that we, can, you know, we, can, we, can, we can get stronger and get smarter together. The answers have already been found. We just don't know that they've been found because we're not asking. So that's what that's about. Yeah. Yeah, look, it, 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 the remote living really does inject a, a, a different component into into the whole thing. Um, but I just want to come back to to the issue of values. You know, one of the core founding principles, as I understand, you know, the Happy Sandpit um, is, is around the central belief. And and I just need to perhaps preface this. I mean, when I was training to be a school teacher, my professor, Professor Snedden in in Durban, said to me that my job as a teacher was to light the inner organic fire of their being, referencing the students. And I was at a school called New Forest where I felt that my primary role was to stop them <laughs> taking drugs and fighting with each other, but <laughs> nevertheless. So your core values are based around the central belief that people are one, inherently good, two, intelligent, three, honest, and really just want some kind of basic recognition. So much as I love the thought behind that, I'm struggling to find it as a point of reference, you know, when I look out the window at life. I, I'm not seeing a lot of that. How, how, do, you, how yeah. do you, have you arrived at that, that conclusion or that starting point rather than a conclusion? Look, the, the, there's, there's the sort of the theory X and theory Y uh, uh, sort of methods of, of, of leading people, right? Theory X, I can't remember, I might get them mixed up here, but theory X says people are lazy and they'll only do something if you're with them. So micromanage, push, set strict rules. I mean, make sure your dress code details exactly how many buttons a shirt has to have or else people will deviate. Theory Y says, get the obstacles out of people's way, hire smart people, enable them and let them go. Now, obviously both of them are flawed and, and it's not always gonna be just universally true across a, a workforce. The bigger it gets, the more challenging it becomes. That's the reason we have any kind of work at all in the culture space is because this stuff is hard. But I think you've got to start somewhere. And so while I, I mean, I, I, I really believe that you, especially when it comes to adults, it, you have to go, you have to go a long way to find somebody who really wants to disappoint you. But put it, put it in that particular sense that people, people, yeah, they are a bit lazy. They are a bit uh, selfish. They are a bit, um, you know, th th there are definite challenges with them. But, but from, if, you're gonna, if you're going to lead from the point of view that people need to be pushed and shoved and, 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 and cajoled and, and that there's more stick and more carrot and less carrot, then you're just making life harder for yourself as a leader. As, as a people manager, it's already difficult. So this is really, this point of view is about just trying to make matters easier for you. It, it, is, it is better for you to enable people and then maybe you know, deal with the, with the laggards or the ones who go, go astray than it is to constantly try to control people. Um, so really, it's a method of just... Um, uh, sort of having less exhausting workplaces for 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 yourself and for others. Is it perfect? No. Is it foolproof? Absolutely not. Does it go wrong? For sure, man. I've seen it again and again and again. Mm -hmm. But but I mean, I would far rather lead that way with that assumption um, and and deal with the few uh, the few challenges that come along than than be a micromanager who's just constantly carrying all of the stress of everybody. It, it sounds like a terrible way to be. So that's kind of what that theory that theory is about. Mm -hmm. um, for me. Yeah, look, and and I think some kind of guidelines, you know, just sort of as I reflected on this this morning, made a note to myself, what what's the issue I battle with most? And it's prioritizing stuff. It, it's this continuous partial attention phenomenon where I just seem to be doing five things at, at once. I'm gone yeah. all the way back to first principles. said, okay, prioritize A1, B1, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff. So I guess you do want an element of that from, 
uh, your corporate uh, head of state, but not telling you how to do the job, just helping you to prioritize. That's what I, I miss most. You're listening to The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media. Well, so I think I think you can also rely on a little bit of herd mentality. So if, if our dress code isn't, you must wear, you know, IBM back in the 60s was all about a dark suit um, with a sincere tie. And literally, that's what they used to say, mm. and, and a white shirt and, um, and, and black lace up shoes. This is what, what you had to wear. Um, but nowadays, I think it's, it's, you know, the dress code is more likely to be something like dress appropriately for work. And, and if your version of appropriate for work is a snorkel and a speedo, then we're going to have a conversation about it because clearly that's not true. Um, but as long as we've got that sort of guideline, it's, it's, it's likely that we're all going to be more or less okay. Uh, we're we're going we're gonna to get the hang of it. And, and rather than me specifically writing this down in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a rule book from HR, I think that people around you will say, bro, well, how can you wear that to work? You know, I think that's kind of how that, that, that works if we allow it. With, obviously, the few, the few um, um, dissenters, the few sure. people who won't just play game, play ball. Sure. Sure. Colin, just uh, going back one step uh, to values, and I mean, a lot of companies that I guess you've worked with and certainly I've worked in and, and with have a value of somewhere along the line of, of transparency and honesty and, and something like it. Yeah. Just again, in this, in this yeah. time now, you know, again, we, we read about, you know, retrenchments and layoffs and uh, in, in your work or, or, or companies that you've worked with, and, and I mean, obviously you're not going to, I don't expect you to share the names, just in terms of, of, oh. of being genuine now, because now's the true test. This is where the rubber hits the road, you know. This is where, do you live your values of, of honesty and how honest have, customers, uh, have companies been or, or are they just trying to survive saying, listen, unfortunately, you know, employees, as much as we said uh, in January we loved them, today they're just collateral damage. They're just an expense. Yeah. Well, I mean, unfortunately, I think, um, look, look on, on the subject of values to begin with, let's, take, let's unpack that in, into two parts. The first one is, I think we've we already got a problem here. I think most organizations claim that they've got a set of core values. Uh, but what most organizations actually have is a set of preferences, and they're fairly vague. In other words, I'd prefer it if you acted that way, but I'm not really married to it, which means it's not a value. I mean, you see, they'll, they'll say things like we, we favor integrity, but we, we, we remunerate our salespeople based on the number of sales they bring in. And at the end of the quarter, trust me, integrity is not the number one thing for most companies. It's not what they're focused on. They're focused on the number. So how can that be real? And I think the challenge we have there is that for the most part, companies don't have a guiding set of values. And that's where we have all this interpersonal friction that comes from inside the workplace. Because Gordon brings his values to work and you bring your values to work and I bring my values to work. And, and, um, and, and, and we clash because we're not the same. Um, unless we are very married to this idea of hiring people who have exactly the same core values. But I don't know how you pick that. I think people interview well. I don't quite know how you do that. Uh, not in a foolproof way. So what we think is if you've done the necessary work to have a, a really solid set of core values, and these are things that you live or die by, and they're specific to you. If they happen to be identical for other organizations, let that be nothing more than a coincidence. But if they are very specific to you, if we have those, then it's very easy for us to explain them to reasonable rational adults who are the kinds of people we should be hiring anyway. So say don't name names, but let me just give you an example because there is one that always comes to mind. Up until, up until May last year, I was very close to Comair. Mm -hmm. um, I used to know um, Eric Fenter, the CEO then, quite well. We, we, he, was, he was a very gracious host for our three-day field trips on, on many occasions. And so I knew that organization quite well. And he used to talk about how um, you know, they have things like um, uh, 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 the three things that they stand by are service, uh, safety, and efficiency. 
And service, you can imagine, it's a service business. It should have service. It should be focused on that. If it doesn't have that, it'll really upset people. Safety, critical. I mean, they're operating very technical aircraft and flying people around. They have to be focused on that. But efficiency was the one that was interesting because the reality is the only difference between Comair and one time in Velvet Sky and Skywise and Nationwide and Sunair and Sunair 2 and SAA and all of these other airlines, the only difference between Comair, which is profitable, and those ones that have all gone bust was the way in which they, uh, they manage their efficiencies. You're talking about a business where the operating margins are 1%, 2%. Like if you, if you fly from Johannesburg to Cape Town and you book your ticket two weeks in advance and you don't book a separate seat and you don't check in an extra uh, you know, piece of baggage, they don't make any money off you. They basically fly you for free. All of their money goes to you know, uh, airport taxes and operating costs. So efficiency becomes absolutely critical. And because they can explain that to people, i.e. if we don't operate efficiently, we will go out of business. There's no way for you to dispute that as an intelligent adult. You get it, you can see it, they can present it to you in black and white. It's clear why that's a core value. It's so much stronger than something like integrity, which you should have anyway. This is something that's specific to us. If we don't do this, we'll go bust, therefore it's a core value. And, and when you've got those sorts of things, it's actually that, that I think that, that is much, it's much more capable of aligning people. And we certainly saw that at Comair. I mean, I think it was, a, it was evident that that was true. Um, but it's also then capable, then possible, I believe, to extend that into this working while at home environment, i.e. we've all got the similar values. We all know what they are. I don't care if you don't personally hold the value of efficiency. In fact, I think if we only hired people who had the same values, then we just hire a very boring group of people. I don't care if when you leave work, you go past, you know, Woolies and you put 50 things in the sweetie aisle into your trolley. They're not in the household budget. It's a terrible way to run that. I don't care. What I care about is when you go through passport control, functionally our front door, and leave South Africa behind and enter, you know, our company, that you adopt our values in much the same way as you would if you were to get on a plane today and go to Turkey. You get off the plane in Istanbul tomorrow. You, you suddenly, you don't jaywalk anymore. You wait for a little green man. It's not a major wrench for you. It's a slight difference. You're doing things a bit differently because everybody else there does. And you want to have a good time and you don't want to get in trouble with the locals or offend them or have trouble with the police. So you just do that. That's all we're asking. And that's what a strong set of core values enables you to do. And I think those extend to working while at home. I think it's, um, it's evident. But most companies don't have that. What they have is they have a set of preferences. They have these very vague things on the wall and it's not clear that they actually believe them at all. Just uh, on, on the point of values, um, you know, normally in any functioning unit values are transferred from one party to another so in the remote scenario how do we ensure that 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 core values as you say which should be there you know right up front are communicated um, i've been looking at one of the studies um, done around the world globally in the in the advertising industry and one of the key concerns well for the guys at the top end of the scale the key concern is when you cut back staff by 50 percent the work remains the same. I'm going to be working twice as hard. So we understand that one. The other one, which was kind of interesting, was moving down the line a little bit into the middle management. There was a big concern um, about the threat to the next generation of, of, uh, of talent, that there would be no, no transference of skills and no transference of values for that matter. Yeah. How do you, in a remote environment, how do you ensure that transfer of values if, if if that's what drives your company how do you ensure that the next generation is going to inherit those intact and and learn how to interpret them in practice i think a lot of the time if we if we can if we can sort of operationalize values if, if we're not if we're not just putting vague sort of tick box exercise things that please shareholders and look good in annual reports on our walls but we're actually figuring out the things that are necessary for us all to live by 
the things that are live and die by, the efficiency, the, the safety, the things that if we don't do those things, we will cease to operate. If we understand what those are, then I think it's, it's possible to explain those to people in a way that they can inherently understand why they're necessary. And then I think, you know, with the way in which we, we, we create work must be aligned to those sorts of values. So you can't say that you have a value of efficiency, but you just say to people, yeah, but listen, we're going to work all weekend because we, we didn't get the work done. I mean, it just can't work that way. Um, we, we did a very interesting exercise with a, with a company uh, before lockdown. We did a, um, uh, one part of the values work that we do is to align. They, had a, they believed they had a very strong set of core behaviors to go with their core values. So we said, fine, let's cross match them. So now you talk about how, and I can't remember exactly what they were, but there was, um, we, we're very keen on um, uh, values-based leadership and we're very keen on um, respect for work-life balance uh, and, and those sorts of things. It's like, okay, if you're going to say those two things, we take the value, we take the behavior, and we marry those two things. If you've ever sent an employee an email over the weekend, you are not living according to that. You are immediately transgressing the work-life balance thing. So you either need to take it out because you can't live that way, or you need to be very clear about what it is. But if you set the expectation, you have to stick by it. And this is something that I think is, is critical for leaders to understand. I mean, we always say that they're the ones who need to, um, to live the values more than anybody. Um, this has never been more true than ever, I think. They, 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 if they are going to... Um, it, this is kind of the moment when the rubber hits the road, mm. basically. We've now we haven't got the, all the, the fallback positions of a, of a, work, a, a workplace and, and, and a team and all of that kind of stuff. It's kind of you and me. It's one-on-one. Now it's a matter of, you know, if we, if we live in those values and we've got the right values, and I think it's probably fairly, um, maybe not easy, but it's certainly doable to transfer those even to brand new people. Yeah, I think, Colin, that's exactly, you know, and for many years, you know, people have said one thing and done another thing. Um, and, and again, you know, I've certainly lived through and worked with companies where, where that has been the case. And I think now, you know, one of your earlier points, you know, in tough times like we are now, um, <clears throat> companies who perhaps have been doing a lot of that stuff anyway will, will prosper. And, and the, the sad part of it is that I think, you know, I just look for the fallout of companies who were bad to start with. You know, they were incongruent to start with. Um, yeah. I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't want to forecast it, but certainly, you know, if you just use a little bit of logic, um, I don't think it's going to end well for, for a lot of those organizations. And sadly, the people, you know, and often the people who get retrenched don't retrench themselves, you know what I mean? They're just <clears throat> collateral damage, as I said earlier. So um, hopefully people will do better uh, at this than they're not, because certainly it's trying times. I mean, hopefully it's not something you will experience again in our working life, but uh, certainly we've got to get our way through it. Yeah, look, there's always a fine yeah. line be between sort of being proud of being last man standing and, and realizing, as I did last night, that a mate of mine had been retrenched two weeks ago and, and I didn't even know, you know, so I'm so busy and so absorbed in myself. It's very easy to lose sight of the person that used to sit next door to you at the, you know, at the opposite desk. Yeah. He just doesn't exist for you in your desperate act for survival. But um, Colin, just coming back to, I'm a, I was on your website this morning, it's very easy to navigate. So is that still the best way to, to check it out? A happy sandpit, the website? Yeah, I mean, um, you can you can reach us all the time on info at happysandpit.com. But yeah, please please go to happysandpit.com, yeah. absolutely. And then just quickly on that, um, one of the things which intrigued me, and you, you mentioned SAA, which uh, automatically put me in, in mind of the Titanic, because one of the games, yeah. so gamification is obviously a big part of this thing. One of the games that you offer there is the iceberg game. It just intrigues me. How do you create a motivational story out of, out of the Titanic or SAA for well, that matter? 
hundred percent. So I, I think actually, you know, what's, 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 so I'm a bit of a Titanic nerd. I, I mean, I've been, I did show and tell on the Titanic three years in a row when I was 10, 11, 9, 10, 11, whatever, something like that. I was told not to, but I find the story incredibly rich and, 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 and interesting because if you, if you dig deeply into it, it's not just a story of folly. It's not just a story of, you know, sort of um, a, a, a contemporaneous British arrogance or anything like that. In fact, the Titanic was just unlucky to get caught. It, w- it was doing much the same things as all the other ships were doing. None of them had enough lifeboats, da 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 da, da. And On the lifeboat matter, the Titanic was fully compliant. Actually, it was more than compliant. Now, here's an issue. For most of us, we may not be, as organizations, facing icebergs, although arguably COVID-19 has been a bit of an iceberg. We're not necessarily facing that, a, a situation where a lot of our people might, might lose their lives, thank goodness. But we are nevertheless hiding behind compliance where we're not doing enough, where there's actually a whole bunch of holes in, in, in our organizations that could easily um, reveal uh, you know, our, our inadequacies or, or maybe even worse, um, put us out of business. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things. And so the, the, the Titanic game, it's, it's essentially it's a deck of, 40, a deck of cards, 40 scenarios. Um, each one of them has to be resolved only using your core values. So it's different for each organization because you've got different core values and you must apply the values to resolve the issue. So the, 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 um, the solutions you come up with have to be um, ju- values-based and you have to be able to justify and defend them. Um, so, so it becomes quite an interesting thing, even around fairly small matters where people will say, well, obviously the right thing to do is this, but that's not what we do around here. And, and you kind of go, okay, fine, what's wrong? Is the value wrong? Are you wrong? Have you misunderstood it? Or, you know, or whatever it might be. It's that whole conversation. And what we're trying to do with it is put values on the table in a, in a, in a, a constructive and, and deliberate and regular way um, so that you, you know, these things become front and center, not just something that we talk about once a year. And actually, when you start to dig into it, there are a lot of decisions around the Titanic. So the deck is divided into five separate sections, only one of which is about the sinking. Um, one of it is called the disaster and one's about the aftermath. There's eight separate cards in each of those. The others are about strategy and planning and choosing people and, and, and just running the ship before it hits the iceberg. A whole bunch of stuff had to happen just to keep that thing, that thing running. And, you know, before they were worried about trying to save lives, they were worried about keeping first class passengers happy when their tea was cold. Um, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it and we forget this. A lot, there's a lot more analogies um, for modern businesses today if we look into those that, that short lifespan of the Titanic yeah. and then simply, you know, the James Cameron movie. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, I'll listening to all that. I do long for the days when advertising solutions uh, invariably, you know, started off with, yeah, let's just go for lunch. The last <laughs> long lunch, we'll sort this thing out. By five o'clock, it'll be all done. So to our listeners uh, and to Colin, Colin, thank you for joining us. To the listeners out there, please uh, subscribe, join us, uh, fire the questions at us. We'd love to to respond or get Colin to respond. Um, Doc, uh, great topic. You the the values man. You've you've been there. I've always been a small kind of player, um, or and or consulting. You've you've done the big league. So I'm going to leave it to you to wrap up on values. Thanks, Gordon. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I have, and 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 it's something that I feel very passionate about. And no time better than now for people to get involved. Please get hold of Colin. Uh, Happy Sandpit. Find out about your culture. Do that introspection now. Don't assume that you're okay and don't assume it won't happen to you. I think those are, for me, critical errors. And I've seen it through the years. People say I'm just fine and, and, and I think the, the world is not just fine now. So now's as good a time, if, if, if not the best time, to get hold of Colin. From our side, thank you very much. Very insightful, uh, very interesting chat. And, uh, and really, again, uh, a big thank you from our side.
No, an amazing opportunity, guys. I'm really grateful to you, and I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it very much. Thank you. Great. Uh, thanks, Colin. And so to our listeners out there, please get involved, as Gordon said. Um, listen, down, download, subscribe. It's all free. Uh, reach out to us on various platforms. Be part of the conversation. And from my side, Doug Matthias, I'll catch you next week. Ciao to you all. And so that was another episode of The Doc and the Guru. Please don't uh, forget to get a hold of us on Facebook. Like us, follow us, uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then from my side, you can get a hold of me on LinkedIn, Dr. Doug Matthias. I'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views uh, and certainly will respond and hopefully we can bring that into the show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Miller, the guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Mzanzi Media. And I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on in the show. And take us at our word. This is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, uh, voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time. The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry.